0: Ask and ye shall receive. Welcome. It's a special state of wrestling. I told you I would do this if enough of you asked for it this week on the podcast. It was a giant week in the world of pro wrestling, and I didn't think we could wait another full week till next Thursday morning before we got together and we talked about the show that was Wrestle Kingdom 12. This week, it's been over 24 hours. It's been about 36 hours, so I feel like I've given everybody... Enough time to watch the show. Of course, we're on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. You're going to be able to check this thing out on YouTube. You can watch uh, live, if you're watching now, on Facebook Live over at facebook.com slash notsam. So plenty of ways uh, to watch this and to celebrate with me as we talk about Wrestle Kingdom 12 from New Japan Pro Wrestling. So there is always something fun. It's the same way there's something fun about uh, unconventional wrestling shows and when people communally get together to watch them. So most people, in the States at least, I'm sure didn't watch this thing live, right? At least the whole way through. You're talking about a show that was six hours long. I think it was six hours without without counting the Battle Royal, because I didn't see the Battle Royal. I think without counting the Battle Royal, it was still like a six-hour show, which five or six years ago probably would have been like, oh my God, what wrestling show is, is six hours? And you're like, well, WrestleMania is... Five hours of this, six hours. I guess this year WrestleMania was six hours. SummerSlam's usually four or five hours if you count the pre shows. So we're getting to a point in time where a six hour wrestling show is not as crazy as it once was. Uh, all that said, I'll say the same thing this year that I said about Wrestle Kingdom last year. And it's amazing watching New Japan pull off a six hour show that actually keeps attention. So For us here on the East Coast, of the United States, I'm in New York, obviously. Uh, This thing started at like 2 o'clock in the morning. I do the morning radio show, so I couldn't watch it live. But I did wake up at like 6 o'clock in the morning, as I usually do. And as I'm getting ready and stuff, I went, oh, wait, Wrestle Kingdom's on live, I'll bet. And there is something very fun to the fact that before I went to work in the morning, I turned on New Japan World and got to watch the end of the Omega Jericho match. Live. And know that there were other American wrestling fans that had stayed up all night watching this thing. The same way when the UK tournament was on. And it was on... It was weird. It was like a Saturday afternoon if you watched it live on the WWE Network. You could watch it Saturday night. They were rerunning it. But there was something fun about knowing that there was a community of people watching it all at the same time. Uh, And I don't see WWE ever doing something like that for one of their pay-per-views just because so much of the audience is here. Like, I don't see... WrestleMania ever taking place in a foreign country because of that, because of the time difference. You know, people want a WrestleMania or a SummerSlam in the UK, and I just think that because it's the same reason why I don't think UFC will ever run a giant show in one of those countries, because UFC goes live on Saturday nights at 10 p.m., on the East Coast. That's what time they're on. WWE pay-per-views are eight o'clock at night, seven if it's a special start time, on a Sunday. That's what time they're on for us American viewers. But New Japan is concentrating on the Japan viewers. So I I, I think it's interesting that that happens. And I, I actually think it adds to the show. To build this community around a show that you need to be awake at a certain time for it. You need to set an alarm for it. You need to adjust your schedule just to watch it. Plus, it's not in the middle of the week, which is nuts. Um, but it, I, I think it adds to it to have the community all around. So we'll talk about everything that went down at Wrestle Kingdom. Um, but I, yeah, I just I just am always so impressed at New Japan's ability to create a six hour wrestling show that while every single match isn't musty. Every single match is at least should see. All matches run between must and should see. There was no match at Wrestle Kingdom. Over the entire show that you sat there going, like, well, I wouldn't, I, I would, this is a skip one. This match, you'll, you'll never need to see this one. Like, if you like wrestling, every match on that card was at least worth a watch. So, uh, a lot of things happened at Wrestle Kingdom. I think I want to start with the last match. We'll get to Jericho and Omega, but the match that closed the show was the IWGP Championship match between uh, Naito and Okada. And while Okada has become super popular over the last three or four years, and his series of matches with Kenny Omega really, I think, put Wrestle Kingdom on the map. A couple of things. Chris Jericho being involved this year and this the trilogy of matches between Okada and Kenny Omega I think put Wrestle Kingdom in New Japan on a level the likes of which I've never seen. You know, I started watching Wrestle Kingdom like live or at least live-ish. I think it was Nakamura's either last year with the company or second to last year. It might have been his second to last year with the company. And I was sitting there going, man, this guy Shinsuke Nakamura has brought a whole new level of international attention to this show. Well, we go forward several years and it has eclipsed that by a lot. And it's because of Jericho, but it's also because of this series that uh, Okada and Omega have had. Uh, and and I think that that played into the choice of closing the show with Okada and Naito. And also the fact that Naito's story... So, it's interesting with New Japan because while all of there are stories in the promotion and all of their their matches have reasoning and rationale or at least most of them do behind them, it's hard for a foreign fan to figure out what the story is. Right? But Naito is such a compelling figure that you just get it with him. And when you want the details, it's worth it to go out of your way and figure out what his whole backstory is. And I did that. I went on YouTube and I, I I watched like the long, like twenty-five minute mini documentaries, kind of chronicling the career of Naito. And like, I'm a huge fan of him. I'm a huge fan. I I I saw him. You know, I knew of him obviously, and I'd seen him wrestle before. But two years ago, probably, I saw him live when Ring of Honor did a show. And it was when he was the IWGP Intercontinental Champion. And it was just his presentation, the mask, the way he just threw the championship into the ring. He just didn't care about anything. And he was living it, right? It's not like he didn't care about anything except for the championship, or he didn't care about anything, even in the way he would wear that disco suit to the ring. And instead of taking it off the way Cesaro takes his off, and it's this big flashy thing, you literally see him undoing his cuffs, taking all untucking button up, just taking his time, tranquilo. Everything is tranquilo. And I'm like, it's it's amazing what's going on with this guy. So at that moment when I saw him, I was like, That guy to me is the future of New Japan. Like, that guy is the guy to keep an eye on. I haven't had a feeling as much as, like, uh, you know, uh, uh, you look at uh, 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 Ibushi and, and Tanahashi and Okada. Like, to me, Naito in that moment was the one that I go, like, that's what I would, I would put all the money on. That guy gives me feelings the way Nakamura gave me feelings years ago. Um, and so I really wanted him to win, and he got to a place where I think most of the audience wanted him to win. Uh, most of the New Japan audience, especially the people that had had watched his journey, as a guy who was like... Uh this sort of young up-and-comer and this guy with all the potential in the world and this young dude who it looked like they were going to strap the rocket on, but then the fans didn't get behind him, so then management decided to pull the brakes on him and he ended up having to leave New Japan and he because nobody cared about him anymore and he went to Mexico and he came back and people started caring about him again, but by that time, he didn't care about the people anymore. It's this, it's this story that you can really relate to. And... Timing is interesting because New Japan... I mean, I don't know. I don't watch week-to-week enough to say that they're good with timing. But I think Wrestle Kingdom... Wrestlemania is a show that WWE programs not for WWE fans but for the layperson. WWE plans Wrestlemania for somebody who doesn't watch WWE on a week-to-week basis. And I think that, that that audience holds much more true to New Japan than it does to WWE. I think that the audience for Wrestle Kingdom is so much larger than the typical New Japan audience, and there are so many people that watch Wrestle Kingdom that just don't have time to watch New Japan on a week-to-week basis, and they keep up with it in the sense that they'll see clips on YouTube, and they'll read little articles, and if there's like a really great match, they'll seek it out, but they're not watching the Access show every week in the States. Some are, but most aren't, like... Look at the look at the rate. If I came on this podcast and talked about what was going on on New Japan's Access show every Friday night, some of you hardcore guys would be like, this is awesome. But most people would tune it out and they'd go, I don't know what Sam's talking about anymore. He just keeps obsessing over New Japan as if we watch it every week. Who's got the time? So I think there's even more people that watch uh, Wrestle Kingdom for that. But because of that, the stories that get told within the night and within the matches and the reaction that the crowd has to these wrestlers is even more important. Meaning that guys watching or people watching Naito versus Okada uh, at Wrestle Kingdom on New Japan World, here in the States at least, a lot of people are probably sitting there figuring out, like they're figuring out who their favorite guy is as they're watching. A lot of people do. And it was clear if you kind of watched the match, even in the video package that was happening before the match, you couldn't understand the language, but you could understand through the visuals what was going on. And you could hear the audience, and you could even watch the presentation. Anybody that's watched New Japan at all before probably had a similar feeling to me, which was, you know, Okada's great, and, but we've seen it before. Like Okada is doing what Okada's been doing. Whereas like this is Naito's moment. Right? This is this is Naito's spot to to be the guy. This is his this is the, the night that he gets crowned. Especially since they put this match on after Jericho Omega. And when he wasn't crowned, when Okada won the match, it was a bit of a letdown. And that's not usually what happens at a Wrestle Kingdom. Wrestle Kingdom usually gets it right. I mean, and it looks different, like a Wrestle Kingdom show versus any other New Japan show. Like I, I came on here when New Japan did the live shows on Access, the uh, uh, the beginning of the United States Title Tournament, and it was it's it took place in California. I talked about that and talked about how the production value just wasn't quite there there was there was missing elements the crowd size da 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 Wrestle Kingdom is always a different story Wrestle Kingdom you're in front of you know 35 40,000 people it looks like way more than that it looks like you're in front of 50 or 60,000 people you're in the Tokyo Dome you've got the, the giant video screens everything looks professional everything looks it's it's without a doubt second only to wwe in production value as far as production value for a wrestling show it goes wwe and then it goes wrestle kingdom right under it and then somewhere else you've got ring of honor and impact and shows like that but they set a benchmark every year for wrestle kingdom and 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 it's tough to do that on the regular new japan shows which is why wrestle kingdom becomes even more valuable which is why i was surprised that they didn't use that moment plus you get the tape from wrestle kingdom right when you had the highlight of Naito having his moment, you want it to be in the Tokyo Dome in front of a bunch of people with the big video screens and the and the, you could bring some confetti falling down and it's at the January 4th show. To me, that was the moment. And I think a lot of people, a lot of people uh, uh, felt that way. But I don't know, you know. And again, those of us that don't watch New Japan every week, we can't pretend to sit here and know more than... They do. Uh, we'll talk about what happened after Wrestle Kingdom, uh, a- after we get done with Wrestle Kingdom, because it's important and maybe started to explain why Naito lost. I still think that Naito is going to be looked at in New Japan as a megastar. I think that New Japan Pro realizes that they have a megastar in this guy, and that's why Los Igo Bernal- Ingo Bernales... It's such a hard word to say. Los Ingobernales de Japón looked so strong at the pay-per-view. I think that that's why uh, the Ingobernales won the Tag Team Championships. And if you watch that uh, IWGP Junior Heavyweight title, the four-way, which is probably, to me, Match of the Night probably goes to Jericho Omega. Second best was, even though the result wasn't as happy as people would have wanted it, the the championship match the Naito uh, Okada match and then the third best match on the show and this is a by you know by a thin margin this this is a discussion between all three of these matches as to which was really truly the best but the uh the fatal four way for the junior heavyweight title between Marty Scurll uh uh Takahashi uh, uh Will Ospreay and who else was in oh Kushida uh that match was incredible i thought Marty Skrull is, when you, uh, watching a guy come into his own is one of the funnest things you can do. And boy, is is, is Marty Skrull, he just keeps going up on that roller coaster, up, up, up. He, that guy has not yet hit his peak. But what a year it's been for him. He was on the podcast, actually the afternoon that he joined the Bullet Club. That night he joined the Bullet Club, the afternoon before, he was on the podcast, and I think about how much that dude has grown since I last spoke to him. I can't wait to talk to him again. He's got the number one selling t-shirt right now on Pro Wrestling Tees. He's got now his second shirt in Hot Topic that is like flying off shelves. Uh, and even though he lost the match, he had those wings that came out. You see those big, dark uh, 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 bird wings that came out of his jacket as he came down the ring for Wrestle Kingdom? I thought it was It was... Really, really cool looking. But really, if you look at that match, that match did a lot of things, and it was a really, really effective match. Because Will Ospreay gets his moment, obviously, when they crown him the champion. He won the match. Marty Sc- uh, Kushida looked great, as he usually does. Marty Skrull, like... It almost was like he sacrificed that title because he's moving on to bigger and better things. I don't think anybody can say that he's not a bigger star coming out of Wrestle Kingdom because of the presentation of the villain right Marty Scurll is is so is so good at presenting that villain character that that's what the takeaway for him was in that fatal four way but to me in that junior heavyweight championship match what it really did was made an even bigger star out of Darrow and Takahashi I believe that that Takahashi comes out of that match uh, way, way bigger, far more of a star. I think that leading into that match, he was super popular. Obviously, you know, you're not going to go wrong with Daryl, but it was almost like he was fun, right? It, It was almost like Takahashi was like a fun character to like. And now, after that match, he's a legitimate threat, I found. After that match, I was like, okay, this is a guy who is easily, within two years, Takahashi is going to be one of the top guys in New Japan. And they used Wrestle Kingdom to show that. That match was about all all, all of those things. It was about Marty Scurll being a superstar, because Marty Scurll was the one guy in that match that came across like a superstar. It was about Will Ospreay getting that championship so that he can be uh, uh, bumped up, and... It was about Takahashi taking his place on, on on the mantle, on the throne, you know? And what it did was after seeing the tag team title change hands from the Killer Elite Squad and Takahashi look as good as he did. He didn't win the title, but he looked as good as he did. It was clear to me. I at that point I kind of thought that Naito might not win the match because so much work had been done prior to to the IWGP Championship match to make the Ingobernales group strong, I felt like that was not accidental. That they had sat there going, "Like, look, we're not ready to take the title off Okada, but we want Naito and his group to come. We want it to. We kind of want it to feel like an injustice. We want Naito and his group to come out of Wrestle Kingdom as one of the most powerful groups in New Japan, like." If you look around at the t-shirts, if you look around at if you watch that show, especially taking in uh what happened after the show the night after which we'll get to, Los Ingobernables is is really a threat to the Bullet Club in terms of being the dominant faction in New Japan especially after Wrestle Kingdom, and I think that that's a good thing. I think that that, that's something that WCW never did, right? Bullet Club has been compared to the NWO a lot. But at the end of the day, the NWO actually literally killed WCW, in my opinion, because they ran such rough shot over WCW and just destroyed everybody and made it so that the NWO was cool and WCW was not cool anymore. That once the NWO went away, we as fans had been so soured on WCW That we didn't want to see it anymore we we the nwo made us believe that they were cool and wcw was not cool we got tired of the nwo but we had been conditioned to believe that wcw was not cool i think that the best thing new japan can do is make sure that there is another group that is a new japan group even though it's a you know it's a lucha group but it's 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 a a group that de japon when you put de japon on the end of los ingobernales then you've got the New Japan group, right? And, and 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 they're Japanese guys, and they 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 are they feel like they come from New Japan, and that, that that's really valuable to have when you've got a group that's as strong as the Bullet Club. Uh, so I think while it's a shame that Naito did not win the championship, his he and his group still come out of Wrestle Kingdom looking even stronger, which it's dangerous because I don't know who Okada's next opponent's going to be. Because really, when Los Bernal come out stronger, when people leave feeling like, I kind of wish Naito had won the championship, I don't know if Okada comes out stronger. I don't think that Okada comes out of that show stronger. I think that he, all of his Kenny Omega matches, he came out stronger just because the matches were so good. But I think the fact that he beat the guy that we all kind of wanted to win, and he's supposed to be a good guy, doesn't necessarily make him look stronger. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the Naito character uh, now that he's kind of a certified babyface good guy because it becomes a little more difficult to be so blasé about everything when you're embracing the fans. So I'm, I'm interested to see uh, how they pulled out, that off. I don't know exactly uh, how they do it. Um, I see, uh, yeah, Tommy over on Facebook is saying that... Uh, in Japan, Los Ingo Bernales are already ahead of the Bullet Club. I believe that. Um, I, I I think that it could happen. Uh, it says, uh, uh, and Carrick is saying, when NWO was gone, hang on, my, uh, let me stretch my window out a little bit uh, to make sure that I get your, your comment in there. It says, uh, Carrick says, when the NWO was gone, we were so focused on them that we didn't care about WCW and it died out. Yeah, that's that's exactly, that's exactly it. Timmy says, Cody is the man. Let's talk about Cody's match. Uh, I thought Cody Rhodes, uh, Cody in New Japan, I suppose, his match with Ibushi was awesome. And uh, I was surprised that Cody did not win, but relieved. You know, you can be very critical of stuff that happens in the WWE uh, in terms of what they do with their part-timers, you know? And I've said it, like... While the Brock Lesnar thing is a little different because Brock Lesnar is there so much now, I don't mind Brock Lesnar going through people because he does come back. Um, Goldberg killing Kevin Owens really didn't help anybody. And I've always been bothered by the fact that The Rock can come back and kill... I thought I was bothered when The Rock came back and killed the Wyatt family. Uh, I was bothered years ago when The Rock killed John Cena and The Miz after WrestleMania. Like, that stuff bugs me because it doesn't help the promotion. It doesn't build brand loyalty for WWE. It only builds loyalty to the stars of yesterday. It doesn't make it seem like like it, there's forward momentum. Where you've got Cody coming in, who's got all this star power built outside of New Japan primarily. Even now, the star power that he's built has been with, with the Elite, with the Bullet Club, with the Bucks, in Ring of Honor, all over the place. It's not New Japan- Success, so much. And I think that when you look at it like that, you realize that Cody winning doesn't necessarily benefit New Japan all that much. Uh, and instead what they did was, and it was interesting for American fans because we're used to seeing Cody dominate, right? Anything you've seen him do in Ring of Honor or on the indies in America, he just, he, he's the man. He's number one. Ring of Honor, number one. eight. Dalton Castle just had to dethrone him, but he was the champion of the world. He's the he's the number one guy, even without the title right now, he's the number one guy in Ring of Honor. So to watch a New Japan guy like Ibushi, who for a second, we weren't sure if he was going to NXT or not. You know? For, for a second, we didn't know if he was staying. He goes back to New Japan, and he's a good-looking dude. So I do say so myself. And he's super, super talented. Um, it's an interesting choice, because the choice of which... New Japan superstar to get the victory over Cody. Because it's a big one. It's a big one. There's a lot of American fans tuning in for just Jericho, right? And the only other person they're going to know on the show is Cody. So to watch a, a New Japan guy, I would imagine there are guy people who watched that show this week, Wrestle Kingdom 12, who did not know who Ibushi was. Even though he's as exposed as anybody could possibly be in New Japan. There are people who didn't know who he was that watched that show. So that victory over Cody is really, really good. And the fact that the match was so good, right? That match was, honestly, that match was probably fourth. Right behind that Fatal 4-Way was probably the uh, Cody-Ibushi match. So congratulations to Ibushi. I totally get why New Japan did it. Um, And I don't think that Cody, it doesn't detract from Cody. You know, It, it really benefits Ibushi. It doesn't detract from Cody. So I agree with that. The only thing I really disagree with is the is the IWGP Championship main event match that Naito didn't win. Everything else kind of made logical sense to me. Um, we talk about the Elite. Of course, the Young Bucks opened the show by winning their seventh IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship. Uh, awesome match. Perfect match to open. It's what you can expect from the Young Bucks. That match, like... If you've got friends who don't know who the Bucks are, that would be a good match to show them to be like, see, look how cool these dudes are. Um, So I thought that was great. Uh, I'll tell you what match I really, really enjoyed that I didn't... uh, And I see you, uh, uh, Benoit Vincent Rock, on on Facebook saying, did you see the Y2J press conference? Yes, yes. And I want to talk about that uh, after. David Somers says, don't forget how good Brandy was. Man, has Brandy come into her own. Man, is Brandy good. There were a couple... Of, Brandy's awesome on the entrance. Brandy's awesome on the outside. And that spot where uh, where it looked like Brandy took the moon salt or whatever it was, the, the leap from, from inside the ring to the outside of the ring, and then you find out it was just a ruse, and Brandy and Cody are laughing together because they pulled one... that Perfect. Perfect. I think that uh, Cody has probably spent a lot of time with Brandy, uh, kind of coaching her and teaching her psychology and how she can best be utilized... Uh, outside the ring. But I think she's become an essential, maybe not essential, but a very important part of the Cody package. Maybe essential. I think bleach blonde Cody with Brandy by his side is a really attractive package to anyone in the country. And if and when Cody Rhodes does make his return to WWE, which I think will be at some point, not in the next year or two, but I think at some point he'll be back. Uh, I hope it's with Brandy. I hope Brandy's by his side because I think it really does add to the package. Uh, and she's uh, she's a knockout she's a it it she is she is very complimentary from an aesthetic level to what he's bringing to the table um i I was i I didn't really know what to expect from the never weight championship match goto versus Suzuki uh with I, obviously i'm I'm somewhat familiar with Suzuki's work but not not as I want I, I've seen i every time I've seen him I've been like how badass can a human being possibly be but I'm not locked in like I should be. And Goto, same thing. Like, you know, I'm familiar, but not locked in. And it was one of my favorite matches because it looked so damn real. And I think the reason it looked so damn real was because it was pretty real. Like, I I was sitting there. I loved the beginning of the match when, 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 uh, 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 when when he chokes out Goto, right? When Suzuki chokes out Goto and it didn't look like a wrestling choke. Goto didn't sell it like a wrestling choke. I hate it when they do like MMA choke holes in wrestling and they still do the like jolt awake and then kind of drift off to sleep. Like they've never watched an MMA fight before. When, it, when a guy gets choked out in an octagon, it's like that. You just lock it in. Once it's locked in, you get a couple of seconds, you fight back, and then you're just out. And that's the way Goto did it. He was just out, like he just wrenched up, and then his arms went limp and his body hit the ground. And I was like, is that for real? You know what I mean? And obviously it wasn't. But in that moment, I was like, I believe this. And then when they just started really hitting each other and hitting each other, and I I, I, I thought the match was going to be quick, and then it went long. I just thought that that, that match, because it was so hard-hitting, it represented this whole other style that New Japan has to offer. Um, I mean, you know, it's tough for Shinsuke Nakamura to come to WWE calling himself the king of strong style when fans can turn on this show and watch those guys hit each other as hard as they hit each other. Um, I w- Yeah, I loved it. I loved watching that and the sacrifices that those guys made. Um, what else before I get to the big uh, uh, main event that I want to talk about? You know, Tanahashi, uh, he beat Jay White. Um, you know, I I don't know. I, I Part of me feels like Tanahashi's getting lost in the shuffle a little bit. You know, and I um, it sucks for Jay White because this was his first kind of uh, moment in the spotlight, at least on a spotlight that big. But I think Tanahashi's getting lost in the shuffle a little bit. You know, you've got Okada, who's like cemented. You got Naito, who's on the up, 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 up. You got Ibushi over here who had this amazing showing against uh, Cody. Takahashi, as I just said, within two years is going to be one of the biggest names on the roster. And then Tanahashi is a guy who's got this really cool look and he's got the rock and roll hair and he's, you know, he's, he's big and, and he's got charisma and he's got the moveset and everything, but it's just, you know, I don't, it's, it's, it's a little more difficult to get behind him if it's not based on how we felt about him a couple years ago. I, I I don't I don't feel it like I once did for Tanahashi, and I I hope that he can he can figure that out. I think he needs a change, you know. I think he needs to drop the air guitar thing. I think his, his ring attire with the vest and everything, and walking all stiff like I just think that he needs to be refreshed because it wasn't it wasn't clicking for me, and I don't know if you guys felt the same, but uh, it it wasn't it wasn't. It didn't do for me what it once did. And that was, it was a bummer. So let's talk about uh, what to me did end up being match of the night. I I said on the podcast that I thought Okada versus Naito was going to be match of the night uh, because those guys could steal the show. And honestly, if Naito had won, we might be looking at that match differently and it might have been match of the night. But Jericho versus Kenny Omega was, was match of the night. They really pulled it off. They lived up to the hype, which is a very difficult thing to do. Chris Jericho's level of commitment is like nothing I've ever seen before. So he comes out. He's got a brand new jacket. You know what I mean? It's like he he's smart enough to have elements. like His character, the Chris Jericho character, There is, it's the same character. And we talk about this sometimes. We talked about it, I think, for the first time when Shawn Michaels did the podcast a few months ago. The character that was on Monday Nitro in the in the in the late mid to late nineties, reading off uh, his ten thousand and one holes in his feud with Stinko Malenko, the Jericho that was calling Goldberg Greenberg, that Jericho, that is the same character as the character that we saw at Wrestle Kingdom, and you can clearly, I can write you a story that traces Jericho's character. From the Lionheart, in, probably an in ECW to tell you the truth, but from the Lionheart, Corazón de León, all the way up until the Alpha, right? And it goes from whatever it is, the Lionheart to the Man of the Millennium to Y2J to a Dirty Bottom Feeding Trash Bag Ho to uh, Me Want Title Match to Silver Vest Jericho to... Best in the world in the suit and tie Jericho. I mean, it just goes. and I'd have to really sit down with the character, but it might be worth doing at some point and really just exploring how long it's been that that character has has been evolving. But you watch it, and even in his entrance, he's got elements of the Jericho that we know. He's got the light-up jacket, but it's a brand-new light-up jacket. He's got a scarf on, but he's, he's coming out to Fozzie. His tights look the same, but they say alpha on the back of him to represent the point where he's at now. Now he's got the long hair. And, you know, he's flipping people off. He's using profanity. He's using that badass side of him. Because honestly, like, as entertaining as Jericho is, Jericho is the type of guy, and I've interacted with Jericho plenty of times, and I watched him almost get into a fight with my co-host Jim Norton at one point. He's a professional guy. He's a fun dude great guy to hang with but he is the type of guy that if you if you are disrespectful to him he'll punch you in the face like Jericho Chris Jericho the man is not afraid of a fight in real life and those elements were brought into his personality and I just think it's on you got that that story that was told was I think that story brought a lot of people into the show and that story you don't have stories like that that are so clearly illustrated. For a lot of us fans on a Wrestle Kingdom show that don't watch every single week. But that story was, and that story was a, a cohesive thing that glued the whole show together. On one side, you've got Jericho. And even though it's a new version of Jericho, it's the same Jericho. This, what was going on with him at Wrestle Kingdom, the reason he was so upset with Kenny Omega is because it was this moment of. The same Jericho that put on the suit and tie, the same Jericho that uh, uh, would come out and use these big words and announce himself as I am the best in the world at what I do. Like, okay, that works fine inside the WWE bubble, but for the first time, he left the bubble and took the character with him. I'm here because I've been telling you that I'm the best in the world at what I do. And now I'm here to prove that. And all of a sudden this character that existed in the confines of Monday Night Raw is real life. All of a sudden, this guy is actually trying to prove he's the best in the world by leaving WWE to do it. And still being Chris Jericho and still saying, yeah, remember when I said I'm the best in the world on Raw? Well, now I'm here to prove that I'm the best in the world. And then on this other side, you got Kenny Omega who's sitting there, probably the most hyped wrestler on the planet. The guy that everybody looks to as having the match of the night wherever he is. At this moment, you know, the wrestling world is Kenny Omega's world. But a lot of fans don't see his matches. More fans know of Kenny Omega than have seen his matches, I'll bet. And Kenny has been living up to this hype of being this amazing once-in-a-lifetime performer inside the bubble of Bullet Club, Ring of Honor, New Japan. All inside this kind of coolness, uh, uh, protective force field. Kenny Omega's been existing in there. As much as WWE is a bubble, so is the world that Kenny Omega lives in. And Kenny Omega pierced the bubble. And allowed Chris Jericho, who had just pierced the bubble that he was in, to enter into that world. So now, even though it's at a New Japan show, what you're watching is somebody from outside of New Japan come in and challenge all this hype that we've seen. It, 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 to me, the story was told as if it wasn't taking place in a New Japan ring, as if the guy who's been saying he's the best in the world at what he does and the guy who's been hyped up as maybe the best wrestler in the world... I mean, personally, I think it's AJ Styles, but are competing to see who's better, but if they really are as good as they say they are. And it was brilliantly conceived, it was brilliantly executed, and it was really, really well done. Um, I guess I wouldn't have been surprised if either guy won. I can't say that I was surprised uh, that, that Kenny Omega won, because I think that that was expected, but I wouldn't have been surprised if Jericho won either. Tommy is on Facebook saying, I feel like it was the greatest Jericho match ever. Omega has had a lot of wrestlers' best matches recently. That's true, and it could have been Jericho's best match ever. It was, part of it is the accomplishment. Hey, Lila. Part of it is the accomplishment of what's going on, right? Part of it is... Not just the match, but what the match represents. Jericho did something that nobody's ever done. Nobody thought anybody would do. You you wouldn't, you just don't. New Japan and WWE existed as two separate planes forever. Until Jericho came in and said like, no, like, and you even thought about it. Like, look, the New Japan guys are amazing, but WWE guys just don't wrestle like that. Oh, Really? Well, the most WWE guy of WWE guys, Chris Jericho, is just leaving WrestleMania to come to Wrestle Kingdom. And so I think that part of it is the match and part of it is just the accomplishment of what was pulled off. And it really is a game changer. Jericho wrestling in New Japan is just as much of a game changer as the career that Cody sculpted for himself outside of WWE in terms of what... The wrestling world really has to offer, and it's a game changer for New Japan. It's a game changer for WWE. It's a game changer for wrestlers. It's a game changer for the whole business, and what's out there. And that's why it's such a great accomplishment. Uh, so it was match of the night. At, you know, it was uh, it was brutal. It was hard hitting, uh, and it was it felt real, as did most of the stuff at Wrestle Kingdom. Wrestle Kingdom does a really great job of feeling like a show that like it just keeps going like it keeps throwing stuff at you and you never get tired of it and maybe it's because there's such a mixture of styles maybe it's because there's so many different personalities but it they just the show feels cohesive and compact and tight uh but and and you just you know you don't get bored watching it you want to watch the whole thing and it's a really long show that's very very difficult to pull off and it doesn't get it doesn't feel repetitive either which is unique about that Uh, so, after the New Japan Wrestle Kingdom 12 pay-per-view, um, Jericho, they all do press conferences, and the Japanese, it's tougher to do that. You wonder if, if, well, maybe they should be doing that in America. Uh, the American media would not treat WWE superstars the way Japanese media treats New Japan's wrestlers. Um, so, it, it would be tough to do. It's corny when... WWE has done it with fake media reporters. You know what I mean? When they just do those press conferences and they just have their writers pretend to be reporters off camera. Um, that's cornball. Um, but, you know, I mean, and WWE is also more tightly scripted. In New Japan, the guys kind of have a little bit more freedom to go into business for themselves and to tell their stories. Uh, and New Japan reacts to it. Whereas in WWE, the stories are more uh, created within within the company. Um So I don't think that you could realistically pull something like that off on a WWE show. But I think, you know, if you kind of shifted, it would be a cool thing to do. I wish we could get to a place where sports media took WWE a little bit more seriously. Seriously enough to show up to big shows and ask questions that weren't necessarily kayfabe. Like, oh, do you still hate Triple H? But like, were... Questions that you like talking smack style questions that you could ask that are real questions that you're having a real conversation about without destroying, you know, this illusion that we're watching. But everybody goes, they did their press conferences. Jericho was so awesome in the press conference. He was just glaring at everybody the whole time. He was telling people, no, I'm only answering one of your questions. He was saying, I don't give a shit. That's his phrase. He was like, well, yeah, I don't give a shit about this. I don't give a shit about the fans. I don't give a shit about you reporters. Like, And, and he was just being that guy, and he wouldn't break. And it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Then, then, we go uh, one night removed from the pay-per-view, and New Japan, and I guess this is becoming like the Raw after WrestleMania. New Japan has their night where... Uh, they have this moment where Naito is in the ring, and he's kind of getting this celebration from fans who are all like, yeah, you're our guy now. Even if you didn't win the championship, you're our guy. And out of nowhere, Chris Jericho attacks Naito, which, you know, is it's it's reassuring that they have plans for Naito, um, but I, I, <laughs> I mean, amazing. Who saw this coming? Jericho is continuing on in New Japan. And I hope he goes on tour, man. How great would it be if Ring of Honor did a War of the Worlds show and all of a sudden you got Jericho and Naito? I would not be at all surprised if Jericho starts doing stuff with Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor uh, is going to be part of the Jericho cruise. So obviously he does business with them as it is. I would not be surprised. Because what are the big shows coming up? Either the Naito-Jericho match is going to take place at the Long Beach show, I would imagine, or... I don't know when the next War of the Worlds show is, to tell you the truth. I don't know what Ring of Honor schedule is off the top of my head, but I would not be at all surprised that could take place at both. But I, 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 Not only would I not be at all surprised, I would place money in 2018 that you'll see Chris Jericho in a Ring of Honor ring, not just on his own boat. Wouldn't be surprised in the slightest. So uh, if you're looking on Facebook, did I miss anything from uh, from Wrestle Kingdom 12? I know you guys were watching, uh, Timmy says it's never too early for match of the year, uh, last year's came from January, yeah, um, Devin says Jericho said he loves working with Jimmy Jacobs, yeah, I think Jimmy Jacobs wrote, uh, a lot of stuff for Jericho, I know Jimmy Jacobs was instrumental in the, uh, Festival of Friendship, uh, skit that they did on Raw, which was, you know, one of the best moments of last year, especially best non-match moments of last year, um, so, I don't know, I, I, I think it could be interesting. I don't know what, I don't know if you would have a match with Jimmy Jacobs, but, you know, I, I, I think it'd be, there, there's lots of potential there. There's lots of potential. Um, well, Daniel brings up the great question. Did this also happen? We see Naito and Chris Jericho have their moment. And you go, okay, well, does that mean Chris Jericho is done with Kenny Omega? Who's next for Kenny Omega? We see a rift in the Bullet Club coming off of Wrestle Kingdom. Cody goes to attack somebody with a chair. Kenny Omega stops him from attacking the guy with a chair and you've got a standoff and you've got a shoving match. Kenny Omega and Cody shoving each other, yelling at each other, splitting up, and the Bullet Club and the Young Bucks side with Cody. And they walk off with Cody. Kenny Omega may be out of the Bullet Club, which I would assume means... He's not part of the elite the, the elite anymore either. Which is it's a risk but Kenny Omega will be 100% fine. Kenny Omega and, and it might actually be smart for Kenny Omega to distance himself from the Bullet Club now and be you know this individual top guy. You've got the Bullet Club so strong in the sense that, you know, the on the top tier, you've got Mari Skirl, Cody Rhodes, and the Young Bucks. You got Hangman Page. You got the uh, you, you you got the the, the guys from the Isle of, of of Tonga. You know, you got you got uh everybody you need in the Bullet Club without Kenny Omega. The Bullet Club doesn't suffer without Kenny Omega. It's better with Kenny Omega, but it's not worse without him if that makes sense. Um and I think Cody is it's it's interesting cuz in the States Cody has felt like the leader of the Bullet Club for the last 6 months anyway. You know, Cody's when they invaded Raw, when they do Ring of Honor shows like Cody already feels like the leader of the Bullet Club in the States. So and honestly, I don't know Japan culture enough, but the Bullet Club may be bigger in the States now than it is in Japan. I don't know. Um, so but it'll be interesting to see if they're not gonna do the elite thing anymore with the Bucks and Kenny Omega. Either way, I I, I can't wait to see the Kenny Omega Cody stuff. I can't wait to know that this is like this is what New Japan has in the chamber. You watch Wrestle Kingdom and you're like, yeah, but did New Japan just shoot their load? This is what they've got in the chamber. Jericho versus Naito. Omega versus Cody. I mean, come on, guys. Come on. Plus, you still got everything else going on in New Japan. And where does it leave Okada? Like, like there, there's a lot going on. And uh, New Japan is in a very, very cool place right now. Um, Let's see. Uh, Tommy says, no, he's committed to the international expansion of New Japan. I don't know who you're talking about. If you're talking about Jericho, if you're talking about Kenny Omega. Um, but, you know, even if you are talking about either of those two guys, Ring of Honor is part of New Japan's international expansion. The fact that New Japan has partnered with Ring of Honor is part of their international expansion. So, you know, you see New Japan stars on Ring of Honor shows... And honestly, when you see New Japan stars on Ring of Honor shows, the best thing New Japan can do is make it seem like this is a much bigger show because New Japan guys become the stars over Ring of Honor guys. Then you condition the American audience to going to see New Japan shows. That's the whole point of it. So I think that people being on Ring of Honor shows does not conflict with New Japan's westward expansion. I don't know if they do expand westward. You know, I, I would love to see what they can do in the States. They don't run big buildings in Japan. You know, Wrestle Kingdom is obviously their biggest show of the year. They don't regularly run. They're not a WWE-sized promotion in Japan in terms of uh, people that are sitting in seats. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm interested to see what kind of business they can do, but it's clear that there is an interest. The fact that I can buy a Los Ingo Bernales t-shirt at Hot Topic, as well as all the Bullet Club stuff, the fact that all that stuff on pro wrestling tees... Look, the Bucks and Marty Scurll... Uh, no, I'm sorry. The Bucks and Kenny Omega uh, outsold Stone Cold Steve Austin on Pro Wrestling Tees this year for the year. So, you know, there's an interest in New Japan uh, outside of, of the States. And as much as the Bucks and Kenny Omega, especially the Bucks, you know, they, they, they've they done stuff outside of New Japan. You got guys like uh, Okada and Naito and Ibushi and and a whole slew of guys that are on the come up that are New Japan guys. Uh, that I think are going to make the promotion look really, really strong. If Kenny is separate, do you think uh, he will be built towards champion? I think so. I think so. You you know, New Japan's got to figure out what they're going to do with Kenny Omega. And Kenny Omega's got to figure out what he's going to do with Kenny Omega. Um, I think that there's a huge likelihood that he trades in that United States Championship for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. But honestly, I don't think he needs it. I think I, I could see him getting there, but I don't think he needs it. I think he's already looked at as probably the biggest star over there. Um, but who knows where he ends up, who knows, uh, uh, what happens to him. So I don't know, guys, I don't know, but I'm glad that we got together to do this, uh, to do this show. I'm glad that we got together to do a bonus podcast, uh, about Wrestle Kingdom 12. Of course, you can subscribe if you don't already to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. We uh, post every Thursday morning. This week, we had Pete Gas on the show. You definitely want to listen to that interview. It's absolutely fascinating. Who knew that Pete Gass used to play dominoes with the Undertaker's crew? It's crazy. It's crazy stuff. So download Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. You can check out the YouTube channel for uh, my live show, Sam Roberts Now. It's not a wrestling show, but it's a fun show, and I would uh, recommend all of you going to check that out. If you're just looking for wrestling stuff, my interview with Bobby Roode is up there on the YouTube channel as of two days ago. So check it out. Thank you for being a part of this. Thank you for being a part of Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, the bonus state of wrestling. Wrestle Kingdom 12 is in the books. And we will see you Thursday morning for the next episode of Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Subscribe. See you later.